Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. They left Egypt on the first month, which God called Abib, and now it's the month and a half later. So it took them that long to get to this point. They had crossed the Red Sea, and now they're in the wilderness of sin, which is a funny irony because they're going to be dealing with their own sin for quite a while in these 40 years in the desert. They're kind of like Christians who go to church and they want all the benefits of salvation. They want to know that they're going to heaven, but they don't want to give up their sinful life. They still want to dabble in sin and not really give their life to Jesus. That's the state that these Hebrews are in right now. They want all the benefits of knowing that they're going to the land of Canaan, and they want to receive every miracle from the Lord that he sends to them, but they still won't honor him with their hearts. So they keep murmuring the whole time, and just like Christians who, whenever anything negative happens, they blame God. Meanwhile, they never give their sin up. And God is trying to get their attention, but he just can't reach them. But they'll still go to church on Sunday and believe that they're saved and that they're going to heaven. There's a big hypocrisy going on in the Hebrews' lives. They cried to the Lord to deliver them from the bondage of Egypt. But as soon as he delivered them, it's nothing but hate. They're happy to be on their way to Canaan, but they don't like the journey. That's how a lot of Christians are. They're happy to believe that they're on their way to heaven, but they don't like the journey. They don't want to carry their cross on the way to heaven, which is what Jesus told us to do. Sadly, none of these Israelites are going to actually make it to Canaan. They're all going to die before they get there. It'll be their children who make it to Canaan. We don't want to be the kind of Christians who think we're on our way to heaven, but we don't like the journey and we don't want to carry our cross. We don't want to give up our sin and we just keep complaining the whole way. If we live like that, we aren't going to make it to heaven. We won't be the ones who cross the Jordan. Two, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. Three, and the children of Israel said unto them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the, in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They haven't even given God a chance to bring food to them. They saw how he sent all the plagues on the Egyptians. He gave them all that gold and silver. Then he took them across the Red Sea. Then he slew all the Egyptian army. And now they're accusing him of letting them starve to death. After all these miracles, can't they believe for another one? But they just can't because they don't want to give up their sinful lifestyle. They want everything fast and now. Instead of humbly asking God for food, which is all they need to do, they complain and they accuse both God and Moses of wanting to starve them to death. And the flesh pots means the pots of stew that had meat in them. For then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will cause to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk by my law or not. Proving means testing their faith. He's going to test their faith. Do they have the faith to obey his laws? And a lot of Christians don't have the faith to obey God's laws. They still want to party, gamble, they drink, fornicate. They want to live for their own flesh. They only have enough faith to believe that 
that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, but they don't have the faith to believe that he died to make them righteous, holy, sanctified, and pure, and set apart. They don't have faith for that. God is going to test the Hebrews in the same way. He's going to see what kind of faith they have. He's going to send bread from heaven. Now, Jesus Christ is the bread of heaven. Both Jesus and the apostles explained that when the bread came from heaven, it it resembled Jesus Christ because he is God and he came from heaven and he gave us his word and his word is the bread of life. That's why he calls himself the bread of life. And he said to feed on me, eat my flesh. And his flesh is bread, which is God's word. He wasn't telling us to be cannibals. It's a spiritual command. He's telling us to believe everything he says and feed on his word. He also said, man does not live by bread alone, meaning physical bread, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word that Jesus said is the words coming out of the mouth of God. And that's what we're supposed to really live on is the spiritual bread, which is Jesus Christ. 5. And it shall come to pass on the sixth day that they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. God wants a Sabbath rest, so he wants them to rest on the seventh day just like he did. And this represents resting in Jesus Christ, resting from not only our sin, but also our religion. Jesus being our Sabbath rest means that we don't jump religious hoops to get saved. And at the same time, we also abstain from sinning. He wants them to have a rest on the seventh day to symbolize this. On the sixth day, he's going to give them a double portion of bread so that on the seventh day, they don't have to go out and gather it to eat. They'll have a double portion on day six that will last them through day six and day seven. Seven. And in the morning, they shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he hath heard your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? Moses is telling the people, this is what God is going to do. He's going to send you bread from heaven. And why are you complaining to us? And you've been complaining to him. All they have to do is ask. Eight. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. He's now saying, you're also going to have meat in the evening, and you're going to have bread in the morning. But not only have you grumbled against God, you're grumbling against us, but when you grumble against us, you're grumbling against God, because God's the one who made us your leaders, and they don't want to give up their sin, and that's what it really comes down to. The Hebrews actually liked those Egyptian gods too. It wasn't just the Egyptians who were worshiping those false gods, the frogs and the flies and all that. The Hebrews were also worshiping them. They had adopted the Egyptian culture, and now they're resentful that there's a new god who call, who's calling them to be holy. They don't like that. 10. And it came to pass, as Aaron spoke unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if it was a bright light, or if it was just, you know, I, I can't imagine what it was. To be honest, all we know is he was in the cloud, and it was really obvious to everybody that he is in that cloud. 11. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, 12. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak unto them, saying, At dusk ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. 
13, and it came to pass at even, meaning evening, that the quells came up. So quells are little birds. In the evening, God brought them whole massive flocks of quells, because you know this is millions of people. That had to be a lot of quells, and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around about the camp. So the quells have landed, and they can just grab and kill as many as they want and eat them. And now in the morning, the dew is circling the camp and they can walk out and pick it up. And that dew is actually little pieces of bread dough. Once they gathered, they could bake it and it would be bread. 14. And when the layer of dew was gone up, behold, the face of the wilderness, a fine scale-like thing, fine as the hoarfrost on the ground. 15. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, What is it? For they knew not what it was. They had never seen this dough sprinkled all over the land that they could just pick up and bake and eat. So they said, What is it? And Moses said unto them, It is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. 16. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather ye of it every man according to his eating, and omer ahead according to the number of your persons. Ye shall take it every man for them that are in his tent. For every person who lives in your tent, you gather an omer. An omer is about 3.9 pounds. That's the amount of bread that each person will eat per day, per person. 17. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less, which means the old and the babies gathered maybe only one pound, but the middle-aged people and the teenagers are gathering 10 pounds maybe, or 20 pounds. 18. And when they did meet it with an omer, meaning they measured it, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. This is a miracle on a daily basis. Each person gets what they need no matter how much they gathered. When the old man only gathers one pound, he goes to the measuring place and it measures out a full omer. When the 22-year-old warrior gathers 10 or 20 pounds, he takes it and measures it, and it's just one omer. God was distributing evenly among everybody. That shows us that he gives each of us what we need. When I read the Bible, I get what I need. The Lord said, give us this day our daily bread. He wasn't just talking about food. He was talking about his own word, the word of God. So when I read the Bible, I get my daily bread. When you read the Bible, you get your daily bread. And we all get what we spiritually need. 19. And Moses said unto them, Let no man leave of it till the morning. 20. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses. Moses said, You have to eat all of it. And this was the same commandment they had at the Passover. You had to eat the whole lamb. And if you couldn't eat it, you had to burn what was left over. But they didn't listen to him. They saved it because they didn't trust God. Because they didn't trust him, this is what happened. But some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and rotted. And Moses was wroth with them, meaning angry. They tried to hoard some of it, and then the next day it would be full of worms. 21. And they gathered it morning by morning, every man according to his eating. And as the sun waxed hot, it melted by 10 a.m. or whatever. They couldn't gather it anymore because it would just melt and disappear. 22. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, because it was a miracle. Now on the sixth day, everybody went to the measuring, and now they all have double the 3.9, which is 5.8 pounds. 23. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath spoken. Tomorrow is a solemn rest, a holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake, and seeth that which ye will seeth. And all that remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. 
When it's God's command, it works. When it's what we come up with, it doesn't work. When they tried to hoard some of the bread that was, when they tried to eat less than their portion and hoard for the next day because they didn't trust the Lord to give them bread the next day, it turned into worms. But now, on the sixth day, when they need to have fresh bread for the Sabbath, it will not turn to worms. They're going to eat half of it on the sixth day, and on the Sabbath, the other half will still be fresh, ready to bake. 24, and they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not rot, neither was there any worm therein. 25, and Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Today no bread will fall from heaven. You're going to eat what you had laid up from yesterday, and you're going to rest. 26, six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath. In it there shall be none. 27. And it came to pass on the seventh day that there went out some of the people to gather, and they found none. So they're still not listening. They're still being stubborn and trying to do things their own way. They're not trusting the Lord. They think that they got a better plan. We're going to go out on the seventh day because we still have energy, and we're going to hoard, and there's no bread to find because God's plan is that we rest. Now, I want to tell you something else about the seventh day rest. God created the world in six days, and then he rested, right? By the sixth day, man was created. Up until the time that Jesus was born, from the time of Adam to the time of Jesus, was approximately 4,000 years. And there's a Bible verse that says to God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So that 4,000 years represents four days. Four days from the time of creation, Jesus came, died on the cross, rose again, and went to heaven. Since Jesus came, it's been another 2,000 years, which to God is like two days, which means mankind has been alive on this planet for approximately 6,000 years altogether. And to God, in God's mind, that represents six days. Remember, he created the world in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. And what do we see in Revelation? We see that when Jesus returns, there will be a thousand-year millennial reign in which there will be no war anywhere on this planet. Everyone will rest. And that thousand-year millennial time will come after the six thousand, after the six days. Then we'll have one day of rest, and that will be the thousand-year millennial reign, where there's no war, and all the nations are worshiping God, and the new Jerusalem is sitting on top of the old Jerusalem, and all of the saints are ruling and judging the world from the new Jerusalem with Christ. Then, after that, there will be the great war of Armageddon, which really won't be a war, because God is going to send fire down on all of his enemies, and it's all going to be over in an instant. There won't actually be a battle. God is just going to instantly win. And then the great judgment comes, and it's the end of time. God made the world in six literal days. Then he rested on the seventh literal day. Then the action started, the journey that all of us have been on for salvation. And many, many people, billions of people have been born over the 6,000 years. Many have rejected Christ. Many have accepted. And this whole time, God has been creating his bride. His bride is the remnant of people who believe on him, trust in his word, and those are the ones who are going to heaven. Those are the ones who are receiving salvation. They trust in the Lord. They obey his commandments. In six literal days, he created man. In 6,000 years, which represents six spiritual days, he's been creating his bride, and his bride is ready. There will be a Sabbath rest, which will be the thousand-year reign, where his bride reigns with him in the New Jerusalem. That will be day seven. And then after that comes Armageddon and final judgment and eternity. 
And that's the other reason why God wanted them to rest on the seventh day, because it represents that thousand-year millennial reign. After they rested, action starts. After God rested on the seventh day, the action started of him creating his bride over 6,000 years of time. After the millennial rest, the action will start again with eternity. You and I will be in eternity somewhere. I pray that we're both in heaven. There will be things going on in heaven. There's going to be a lot of action. I don't know what it will be, but I do know we're not going to be sitting there on our hands. We're going to be doing stuff. After the rest, there's always work to do. 28. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? He's telling Moses, Your people have sinned because they're trying to gather on the Sabbath day. 29. See that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day, the day of the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. God is saying, tell them to stay home because I know that when they go out, they're going to try to work. They're going to try to gather manna. 30. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people are like, okay, we'll stay home. 31. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. This is what they call the bread from heaven. They don't know what it is. And I've heard it said that manna means, what is it? And it was like coriander seed white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So it's a very fine, delicate, the kind of bread that you'd give to a king, a wafer that tastes like honey. That is awesome. So it's kingly bread, glorious bread. This is almost like cake. When they gather it, it looks like a little tiny white coriander seed. 32. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Let an omer full of it be kept throughout your generations, that ye may see the bread wherewith I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. They took one omer, which is 3.9 pounds, and put it in a jar to save it as a commemoration for all the generations to see this is what God sent us to eat. Because this bread is not of the world. This is literally from heaven. 33. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a jar, and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord to keep throughout your generations. 34. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. The testimony, it's a reference to the testimony to come, because they don't have the testimony yet, which is the tablet that has God's law, but they will have the testimony. So they are going to keep this next to the testimony in the ark when God tells them to build the ark. But right now, I don't know where they're keeping it. They're probably keeping it in Moses' tent. 35. And the children of Israel did eat the manna forty years, until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat the manna, until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. And you and I are commanded to eat the manna, which is Jesus Christ, the Word of God, from heaven, all of our days, until we come to our promised land, which is heaven. 36. Now an omer is the tenth part of an ephah. Ten omers equal an ephah. And it's letting us know that. We're going to need to know that later on in the Bible. And that concludes Exodus chapter 16.